back to the David Glenn Show. If you've ever called us Monday through Thursday and the lines were jammed, the signal was a busy signal, or maybe it took you too long to get on the air. Free for All Friday was created for you. I'm going to give you a couple things I promised on the NFL playoffs. More on Louisville at Duke and other college basketball this weekend. Titans at Chiefs Sunday afternoon. Packers at 49ers Sunday night. Of course, the highlights of the weekend to come. Connor McGregor is getting back into the octagon for the first time since 2018. That's a pay-per-view event in Las Vegas this weekend for your consideration. We've had calls on baseball. Dougie Hamilton and the Hurricanes. He is out with a broken left fibula. Sad update for Kaniacs. The NBA and, of course, college hoops in the NFL. We we do have lines open for the first time in a long time, so you can get right on the air by dialing 1-800-849-2761. I have an interesting email from Jonathan in Matthews, North Carolina. I will get to that shortly. He wants to know our secret for getting college basketball predictions right. Jonathan claims that one of his coworkers is a longtime listener to our show, but he would never call us. I think, Darren, 90% of our listeners never call. Do you get that sense? Yeah. No, that's safe to say. There are just, you know, way too many people that are busy. They just like to listen. Yeah. I I feel like the 10% who call, many of them call us a lot. But when we meet people out in public, it feels like 90% say, oh, yeah, I've been listening to you for 20 years or 10 years or five years. But, no, I've never called you. Well, Jonathan's buddy will never call the David Glenn Show. But Jonathan's buddy claims that he has won a lot of money, including NCAA tournament pools, by religiously listening to our picks. He doesn't complain when we steer him wrong, he says, because we have far more often steered him right. And Jonathan claims that he's asking a question on behalf of his coworker. He wants to know what we value most, and he has a long list, like depth, experience, NBA talent, coaching, chemistry, etc., He wants to know, for his buddy, he says, how we do it. And hopefully we often do it with distinction. I don't know if your experience as a listener matches his experience as a listener, but we do love to help people win their office pools, March Madness and otherwise. Here's the this and that that I promised as we come to your calls. Again, you can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Free for all Friday means you pick the topics, you steer the ship. Questions, comments, complaints are all fair, fair game. The Kansas City Chiefs are 9-0 this year when this happens. And the San Francisco 49ers are trying to become just the second team in NFL history to do that. You ready for a little this and that, Darren Vaught? Here we go. The Chiefs, hosting the Titans, are 9-0 this year when the opponent rushes for 110 yards or fewer. When the opponent gets past the magical 110 rushing yards mark, it is an even four wins and four losses for the Kansas City Chiefs, who gave up just gashes of yards earlier this year. Steve Spagnola has upgraded their defense, and that's why many believe Kansas City is the new favorite with 14-2 and Baltimore, of course, out of the picture. A lot of folks think the Chiefs are the new favorite. Andy Reid's finally going to get his Super Bowl ring, etc. I bring up that little factoid because we all know what the Titans do best. And we actually know what the Titans did specifically to the Chiefs as this rematches on Sunday afternoon. When these two played in mid-November in Nashville, the Titans' 35-32 victory was built on the strength of what? 
As much as Ryan Tannehill shocked the world by being one of the most efficient, productive passers in all the NFL after overtaking Marcus Mariota at midseason, of course it's been Derrick Henry primarily. He just set the NFL record three straight games with more than 180 rushing yards. You want to guess how many Derrick Henry had against the Chiefs back in November? 188. One of the biggest keys to the Kansas City Chiefs' success has been stopping and slowing the run. When they're exposed as a less-than-dominant rushing defense, they're 4-4. Four and four. When they shut that down and make you one-dimensional, they are 9-0. and oh. It is really hard to shut down Derrick Henry, especially given the role that he is on. You know Mike Vrabel is going to Kansas City saying, we're going to run the ball. We're going to do to the Chiefs what we did to Houston and then what we did to the Patriots, Patriots at New England and what we did to the Ravens at Baltimore. Can they do it a fourth straight time at the expense of the Kansas City Chiefs? That's one thing for you to ponder. Though this and that is completed by the 49ers half of this equation. Would you believe there is only one team as we speak in the history of the NFL that made the Super Bowl the year after losing 12 or more games? The San Francisco 49ers, of course, did lose 12 games last year. They are not only in the NFC title game, they are the favorite by about a touchdown over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. If they win on Sunday night, they will be just the second team in NFL history to make a Super Bowl the year after losing 12 or more. You know who did it? Kurt Warner and the St. Louis Rams. Remember, there was the injury to Trent Green. They were horrible the season before, and I didn't misstate that. They were then the St. Louis Rams. The year after going, I think it was 4-12, and 12, the Kurt Warner story really unfolded. And they not only made it to the Super Bowl at the end of that 1999 regular season, they won that Super Bowl. That's the greatest turnaround in NFL history. The San Francisco 49ers are trying to do something similar as we speak. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Ryan and Fuquay Verena, you can call us from Boone or Asheville, High Point, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, to our east, Greenville, and Wilmington, and many other places where we love to have callers. You know what my pecking order is when it comes to what's important when we pick college basketball. Other sports as well, but it starts with dudes. Jonathan in Matthews, North Carolina, tell your buddy, it starts with dudes. Will I get into depth and chemistry and experience and guard play and inside-outside balance? And, of course, coaching matters at some point. It starts with dudes, and that's probably the most obvious answer in the world. But, like, who has the most dudes in the ACC this year? It's Duke. Where are they? Number three in the nation. Who doesn't have enough dudes in the ACC this year? Was it Steve Adazio at Boston College in football who loved the phrase dudes? Yeah. Or the word? I, I think it's just so applicable here because, and I'll get to your calls now, but Clemson, while putting up impressive victories back-to-back-to-back state Carolina Duke, doesn't have enough dudes to make a run at the NCAA tournament, right? Brad Brown now might have a better-than-expected season, but Amir Sims is an all-ACC candidate at forward. Tevin Mack is a pretty good transfer guard. Not enough dudes. Not enough dudes. And they're not going to make a run at an NCAA tournament bid. Have you watched Boston College play? Not enough dudes. Even Pitt, which beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill, hosting the Tar Heels tomorrow up in Pittsburgh. Not enough dudes. 
they have gone from dumpster fire under Kevin Stallings to more competitive last year in year one of Jeff Capel to even more competitive this year in year two of Jeff Capel. But they got Trey McGowan's at guard. They've got Xavier Johnson as another young guard. Not enough dudes. So at the top, what makes Duke special? I'm not saying Coach K is not part of what makes them special. But when Coach K has fewer dudes, he doesn't do as well. When he has one of the best point guards in the country and one of the best big men in the country, Trey Jones and Vernon Carey Jr., he's one of the best teams in the country. Seriously. At some point, that's your starting point. It does get complicated after that. But Clemson, Pitt, and BC will finish in the bottom half of the ACC in all likelihood, largely because not enough dudes. Those guys know how to coach. Jeff Capel's a heck of a coach. When he had dudes at VCU in Oklahoma, and certainly as an assistant to Coach K, he helped recruit those dudes at Duke, they won big. You don't have as many dudes, it's going to be an uphill climb, even though he's in year two, again, in a better place than year one and an infinitely better place than where Kevin Stallings had the Panthers. Brad Brownell, two years ago, had more dudes. He led the Clemson Tigers to 25 wins in the Sweet 16. More dudes, more wins. One of the better seasons in Clemson basketball history. Not enough dudes applies to Clemson, Pitt, and BC. The most dudes, you watch Jordan Wara play at Louisville? Watch him tomorrow at Duke. Maybe you could argue that the three best players in the league will be on the floor together tomorrow. Because to me, Vernon Carey is one, Jordan Wara of Louisville is two, and there's some competition for the third, but Trey Jones of Duke is one of the candidates. Dudes. <laughs> I mean, is that too simple? It starts with dudes. Florida State and Louisville and Duke have the most dudes, and they're top three. Clemson, Pitt, and BC don't have enough dudes, and they're bottom three. And then there's all sorts of shades of gray in between. I know that it's a bad year for the ACC, but do you know why I'm not giving up on these five teams, Darren? To, not that, I don't think they'll all join as, you know, another year of eight NCAA tournament bids for the ACC. Why do I still say don't slam the door shut on the Wolfpack, Syracuse, UVA, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech? Besides the Seminoles, the Cardinals, and the Blue Devils. Why? They got dudes. They've got dudes. If you made a list of the 20 best dudes in the ACC, State's got a couple in C.J. Bryce, and then depending on the night, you know, a Markel Johnson when he's on or a DJ Funderburk when he's on. Have you seen Syracuse play offense? I know they got to hide their eyes because they have no idea what they're doing with Jim Beheim's zone. No clue. But Joe Girard can stroke it as the freshman point guard. Buddy Beheim, the coach's son, can stroke it. And Elijah Hughes, the ECU transfer, is a first-team All-ACC candidate. Mer Merrick Dolage. That's four out of five starters. They're dudes. They got four dudes they got to figure out a way to slow people down. I mean, they're giving up buckets like it's raining in the, in the, uh, the carrier dome. But they got dudes. When you have dudes, you've got a chance. UVA doesn't have nearly as many dudes as last year, but Mama D. Diakite is an all-ACC guy. Braxton Key and Jay Huff are dudes. Kihei Clark is on his way to becoming a dude. And Virginia Tech, the surprise team, Landers Nolly is an all-ACC player. Mike Young has found a dude in a redshirt freshman that sat out under Buzz Williams last year. Dudes! See Notre Dame play? John Mooney is a dude. John Mooney's an all-ACC big fella. And on a given night, T 
T.J. Gibbs or Prentice Hub at guard can be dudes. Dane Goodwin is a young player who's coming along. Maybe he becomes a dude, right? The teams I'm not mentioning don't have enough dudes, and they're not going to – they don't have realistic chances at the NCAA tournament. Duke, Louisville, FSU, and then some of the next five I just mentioned there will make the NCAA tournament. Dudes don't get you across the finish line unless you have, you're just loaded. Those other teams in the midsection – they have enough dudes to get there. They got to get better defensively in some cases. They got to build, well, they got to get healthy in other cases, but it all starts with dudes, Jonathan, in Matthews, North Carolina. So you can share that with your coworker. All future predictions will also come with dudes in mind. Ryan and Fuquay, Chris in Fayetteville, Paul in Durham. You can join us on the other side, 1 800 849 2761. Free for All Friday ramps up with your calls next. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Here we go with your calls. Lines open at 1-800-849-2761. It's all about the dudes, at least as a starting point in college basketball. Once you get into the NCAA tournament, all that other starts to stuff matters a lot more, right? Then I want to know who your coach is. I want to know inside, outside. I want to know your experience factor. I want to know what your chemistry is. But the best teams in the ACC have the most dudes. And the ones with no chance at the NCAA tournament don't have enough dudes. That's the bottom line. And it's usually not much more complicated than that as a starting point. Paul in Durham has baseball on his mind. Ryan in Fuquay has hockey on his mind. Most others have been going NFL or college basketball this weekend. Louisville is at Duke tomorrow evening, ESPN's college game day event. And that's exactly what it is. 15-2 Blue Devils hosting arguably the other best team in the ACC. Louisville led by Jordan Wara. To me, in some ways, even more dangerous than a very quality Leonard Hamilton team at Florida State. I'm not sure the Seminoles' ceiling is as high as either Louisville or Duke, although, of course, all three are heading to the big dance. On the gridiron, it's the Titans at the Chiefs in the early afternoon or mid-afternoon game on Sunday. It is the Packers at the 49ers in the night game. Appreciate Chris Myers of Fox Sports for dropping by from on the field on his way to practice from San Francisco a little bit earlier in today's program. Ryan is in Fuquay and has a team and an injury on his mind that I think uh, has most of our state's hockey fans wondering similar things. Go ahead, Ryan. What's going on, DG? Uh, first time caller here. Hope you're doing well today. Doing great. Good to have you with us. Uh, this is probably going to be a slightly sad conversation for you as a first time caller. So thank you for yeah. biting the bullet and uh, chiming in. It's a weird time because it's an exciting time to be a Kaniac, but it's a sad time as well. Yeah, it's a lot of mixed emotions going on right now. Um, you know, last night's game was definitely a roller coaster. Uh, you know, even with the with the letting the goal in in the very last minute, that was kind of the, the dagger in the yeah. heart there. Felt like you had one point within your grasp at least, right, against a Columbus team, one of those nipping at your heels for a playoff spot. So that was a big downer. And then, of course, the Dougie Hamilton injury. I mean, we got official word today that it was a broken left fibula and he's going to have surgery perhaps as soon as today. Uh, we didn't know what it was exactly in the moment, but anybody who's watched sports for a long time knew that that was probably a major injury. Right. 
Yeah, and I, I, I wanted to think um, maybe the best thing to do would be to, you know, the trade deadline is going to be coming up in a month. Do you, do you think that'd be an opportunity that they would look into? Or do you There's no, no doubt. Tom, Tom Dundon, if he thinks he can help a team and get value, he is absolutely willing to pull the trigger. This guy has shown the willingness to spend to the salary cap. He has shown the willingness to, you know, match that big offer sheet from the Montreal Canadiens that they threw at Sebastian Ajo. He has rewarded other quality young players on second contracts. If he he's a competitive guy as much as he is anything else, and if something at the trade deadline allows the Canes to upgrade their blue line in a way they need to now, right? I mean, you're probably like me. Jacob Slavin, while only now officially an All-Star because he's going to replace Dougie Hamilton at the All-Star game later this month, he is, even without the label, an All-Star caliber defenseman. So it's not like the Canes have a bare cupboard. Brett Pesci is uber-reliable. Joel Edmondson serves his role. And then there are other guys with significant experience, like a Trevor Van Riemsdyk or even a Hayden Fleury. So they have, they can still throw six out there that have NFL, NHL caliber experience. But should you want to upgrade? I didn't even mention uh, Brett Gardner, who struggled a lot this year. But that allows you to throw six experienced guys out there, even without Dougie Hamilton. You know, rotating three defensive pairings. If I'm the Canes, General Manager Don Waddell. Uh, I guarantee you he and Tom Dundon are talking right now about opportunities to upgrade on defense between now and the trade deadline. We'll see what happens. There's that 10-day break, right? The Canes play Anaheim tonight. I'll be there. Islanders on Sunday. I'll be watching football. And then Winnipeg on Tuesday night. And then there's a 10-day break. A lot can happen during that 10-day break. You hope minor injuries heal. And a lot of conversations happen for people like Don Waddell, who has the green light from Tom Dundon. If you can make us better, make us better. And when you're a playoff caliber team, remember, hockey is not like some other sports. If you're an eight seed in the NBA, you're just the walking dead, right? I mean, there might be an occasional exception, but you're, if, the, if you're the last team in, who's going to be eighth in the Eastern Conference in the NBA this year? Whoever that is has rough estimate of their chance of winning their first round uh, series, zero. Eighth seed in the Western Conference, rough estimate of their chance of winning a first round series against, you know, who would it be likely? The Lakers, chance, zero. In the NHL, you could be the last team in and still make a run. I mean, the Canes won it all in 2006 as a high seed, but they were upset city last year after getting in as a lower seed. It can be done. So that makes it that much worthwhile upgrading at the deadline if you can. 1-800-849-2761. Jerry is in Washington, North Carolina. And next up, Jerry also has college hoops on his mind. Welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Yeah, I ain't called a long time. But I, li- I listen. And uh, just, I mean, where, where, I mean, Wake Forest, I mean, I saw him play Virginia Tech. I know they miss, you know, the Brown kid. He's a good player. Shante Brown's yeah. an injury. But, I mean, <laughs> The announcer said something's got to give. I mean, it's been a lot of losing, and they just play really bad basketball. They have turnover problems. They can't shoot. I mean, what's your best guess on what can happen? I mean, they're 8-8, eight eight, which is about what I expected. I don't. Bl- I like I don't... Manning, but it just ain't working out, man. It just ain't working out. I think you're very level-headed with what you just said. I mean, you know, nobody that I know dislikes Danny Manning. In my job description, I never take any joy in describing 
a situation where it just doesn't seem to be working out, right? Danny Manning is in year six. I watch the Deeks play all the time. And what is most frustrating for me as an observer, and of course it's going to be more frustrating for those guys as players and coaches, Wake has enough talent this year to be interesting. In other words, I just described teams like Clemson or Boston College as just not having enough horses. They can still be competitive. They can still spring upsets, but they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. I'm telling everybody right now, a few teams just don't have enough horses. Wake has a senior point guard in Brandon Childress who's a heck of a player. Not elite, not in you know an NBA draft pick, but a really good quality experienced college basketball player, son of Randolph Childress, an assistant coach with the Deacons. Sean D. Brown, when healthy, is a pro basketball prospect, no doubt about it. Olivier Saar, and Sean D's a junior. Olivier Saar is a junior big man who, to Danny Manning's credit, has become a lot better. Like Danny Manning, player developer, has some good examples on his resume. You know, he, he recruited, signed, and sent John Collins into the NBA lottery. He did take the Deeks to one NCAA tournament. It was three years ago. They were 9-9 nine and nine in conference play. They won 99, uh, 19 games overall. It was Wake's first NCAA tournament bid since 2010. Remember the disastrous Jeff Buzdelic era before Danny Manning got the job. So he has the one NCAA tournament bid, but he has had losing seasons in each of his other four years prior to this one, and it could be another losing season again this year. When you have senior point guard Brandon Childress, junior wing Sean D. Brown, junior center Olivier Saar, again, credit for some player development in those cases, but you should be better than you are. And the way I describe the Deeks, whereas some teams, you know, Duke, of course, like everybody else, Pick your favorite three Duke players. Vernon Carey might be the national player of the year at the center. Trey Jones is going to be first team all ACC at point guard. Who's your next favorite? What, you want to just throw a Cassius Stanley out there? All right. Freshman wing Cassius Stanley. Let's just say he's their third best player. Is there a ginormous Grand Canyon size drop after those three? Or does Mike Krzyzewski find some, some guys that while not elite, just do their jobs? Just you're good at this, be good at this. Answer, yes. Jordan Goldwire is an experienced defensive specialist guard. Jack White is a rebounder and a defender and a hustler who also has a lot of experience. Joey Baker, who we just got word, is expected to return from his injury as Duke hosts Louisville tomorrow, has been stroking some threes. And that, you don't have to be great. You just have to play a role. He's a high-energy guy. He's been hitting some threes. Now, Alex O'Connell, when he's on, also hits threes, not as much lately. But there are, you know, Matthew Hurt is an offensively skilled, three-pointers and otherwise, six-foot-ten prep All-American. You know, so Coach K's got his big three. And then there's four or five guys, or even beyond, Wendell Moore Jr. is a really good freshman defender. He's hurt right now and not expected back in time for Louisville. So that's nine or ten dudes that can help in some ways. The top two in all-American caliber ways. The next guy, Cassius Stanley, man, he may become an all-ACC player as a freshman. He has a chance as he gets more minutes and more experience. So you got your big three. But then Coach K, the master, the maestro, can on a given night, hey, when he needed def Georgia Tech has good guards. So you know what Jordan Goldwire did? He played 30-some minutes instead of 18 minutes. Oh, Jordan against this team, 35 minutes. Jordan against this other team, 17 minutes. Like, that's Coach K having options 
beyond his big three that help in smaller ways. At Wake, after those big three, I know there's an occasional exception. The Deeks are getting next to nothing after their big three, and Sean D. Brown, one of the big three, has been hurt. Now, call those explanations, call those excuses. Most Wake fans I know are reasonable people, and most Wake fans I know are running out of patience with Danny Manning. If it is a fifth losing season in six years, we all know he signed that contract extension back in 2017. So remember, he made the NCAA tournament that year. Got the extension as a byproduct of breaking the long Deacons drought of not making the NCAA tournament. But since then, 11 and 22 years ago, 11 and 20 last year. And what's the Deacons record right now as they head into the weekend? I think they host Boston College on Sunday. Wake Forest has the second worst record in the ACC, 8-8 eight and eight overall, 1-5 in the ACC. So they have the worst record in conference play, and they don't have the worst roster. Again, if you have those big three and they're all juniors and seniors, even if you just get their supporting cast to play smart, play hard, play together, and, and just be role player helpers, it should be enough for a postseason bid. Maybe not the NCAA tournament, but this ship seems to be steered toward a fifth losing season in his six years as the head coach of the Demon Deacons. By the way, you know what Carolina's projected record is right now for Roy Williams? 14 and 17. That's his projected end of regular season record. I mention it because Danny Manning's projected end of regular season record this year is 14, 13 and 17. So again, it would be same old, same old, five out of six at Wake Forest. It would be the first losing season in Roy Williams' 32-year uh, head coaching career. Two sad conversations around two proud programs in college basketball. There's a lot more light at the end of the tunnel for Carolina. Why? Well, Cole Anthony is coming back soon. Who knows if he can make some magic this year in the form of whatever success. But Roy Williams is in all likelihood experiencing a very painful and the ABC fans are coming out of the woodwork to mock these Tar Heels. You know how it works. He has also signed five-star big man Walker Kessler out of Georgia. Five-star. Four-star can kind of be, you know, not all four-stars are created equal. You could be the, the 25th ranked player in high school basketball or the 80th, and you might both be four-stars, okay? Five-stars aren't all the same either, but they don't miss nearly as often. Five-star center Walker Kessler has signed with the Tar Heels. Five-star point guard Caleb Love out of Missouri has signed with the Tar Heels. Five-star big man Dayron Sharp has signed with the Tar Heels. He's actually a North Carolina kid who's playing in Florida right now. Four-star wing guard R.J. Davis has signed with the Tar Heels. Four-star wing player, his name is Puff Johnson. He's the younger brother of Cameron Johnson, who was just you know a superstar for the Tar Heels on his way to the NBA lottery. So that's five dudes all of them four or five-star players, that's what you're used to seeing from Carolina. And next year, Carolina's going to be good again. How good? We could debate. But they're going to be really good again. Cole Anthony's going to make them better this season when he returns. And as he tweeted out or posted on social media, that's going to be soon. So at worst, it's a one-year anomaly for the Tar Heels. Maybe Roy Williams misses the NCAA tournament for the second time in the last 31 years. Wake picture 
does not have nearly as much optimism. Your best player, or one of them, Brandon Childress, will graduate. Your next two players, you know what has been happening at Wake far too often? And this has complicated Danny Manning's building process. The guy that you think will stay, because the NBA is not beating his door down. John Collins was one thing. When you can send your big man into the NBA lottery and he has life-altering money for his family and maybe even his kids' generation, there's no frown involved there. It does make you scratch your head. How many of these guys do you remember, Darren Vaught? Bryant Crawford was a really good college point guard. He had a year of eligibility remaining for the Demon Deacons. He left early, even though the NBA was not all that interested. Why did that happen? I mean, he's, he's got a pro career. Like last I saw, he was in Israel or somewhere. But, but why? Why did he leave when he did? You remember a big guy named Doral Moore? Okay, he was a junior. He was a pro prospect, but they weren't beating down his door. Why did he leave after his junior year? So what if Brandon Childress, of course, has to leave as a senior? What if Sean D. Brown and or Olivier Saar as their two best juniors, what if they, following this tradition of head-scratching, why did he leave early again? Like, Danny Manning is correct when he says attrition rates are higher than ever in college basketball. That is a correct statement in his defense. It is also accurate to say attrition issues are even more extreme at Wake Forest than they have been at other basketball programs. So that's harder to answer. Jalen Horde was Wake's star freshman last year. Nobody was beating his door down. He turned pro early. He went undrafted. And last I saw, you know, he was bouncing around the G League or somewhere else. So it's not zero talent, right? I mean, you could build some teams if those guys stayed for their junior and senior years, right? But for various reasons, and it's probably a different reason for each different guy, Danny Manning has neither had enough high-end talent nor enough quality depth to put together quality seasons, but for that one 1914 season in 2017 when they made the NCAA tournament, and I think they lost their opener that year if I remember correctly. So if you're six years in and you don't have a single NCAA win and you only have one NCAA bid, in college basketball, every fan base would be frustrated by that, right? Does Danny Manning keep his job? Does his buyout save him more time again? Remember, that buyout is a factor. The athletic director there, John Curry, inherited from Ron Wellman this tricky situation. We talk a lot about... C.B. McGrath lost his job this week at UNC Wilmington in part, a lot of reasons, but in part because UNC Wilmington's most prominent sport is men's basketball. Well, just as Florida State and Clemson and Virginia Tech and Miami are football-first schools, Wake Forest is a basketball-first school. And I mean in terms of their image and history and tradition. You all know how much I love Dave Clawson consecutive bowl games he had those three straight bowl wins he has turned that program around and I celebrate that story but when you are coaching at a school where Danny where uh, Chris Paul and Tim Duncan uh, Rodney Rogers you know were once walking the hallways where Dave Odom and Skip Prosser and others took them to fairly high heights and you're a basketball first school in some ways the pressure is going to be up you get more time if you're the coach at the second or third most important sport on any campus. Generally speaking, you get less time if you're the head coach at the most important sport. UNC Wilmington's athletic department depends on success from the Seahawks men's basketball program. 
They got a lot of it from Jerry Wainwright. They got a lot of it from Brad Brownell, now at Clemson. They got a lot of it from Kevin Keats, now at NC State. And they didn't get it over these last two and a half years under C.B. McGrath. Shown the door at midseason is a reflection that not only did they need a new guy, athletic departments stop working the right way financially when people start getting apathetic about the most important sport on campus. And that's one of that's part of the dynamic that John Kerry, the AD, and now Danny Manning, the embattled head coach, are dealing with in Winston-Salem as we speak. Paul and Durham on the other side once in on baseball, others on the NFL matchups, Titans at Chiefs for the AFC crown, Packers at 49ers for the NFC championship, Louisville at Duke in the best college basketball matchup of the weekend. Side note, number one Gonzaga plays what I think is the other best team in the West Coast Conference. The Zags get BYU. So some think they're just going to steamroll and go undefeated in conference play and as a result stay at number one, you know, indefinitely. Maybe, maybe not. It's BYU at Gonzaga among the other interesting games nationally in college hoops this weekend. Around here, Clemson visits NC State. UNC visits Pittsburgh. Number 11, Louisville at number three, Duke is the headliner. And college game day is in town as part of the celebration. Syracuse goes to Virginia Tech. They both still have NCAA tournament dreams. Number nine, Florida State visits Miami. Virginia I still think an NCAA-caliber team visits Georgia Tech and those Demon Deacons host Boston College on Sunday. All those other games are tomorrow. 1-800-849-2761. Paul on baseball, Steve on basketball and football, and you at 1-800-849-2761 next on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. You know, his time at Temple, his time at Baylor, he's he's changed cultures. And I'm not saying that there's a culture that needs to be changed here. What I'm saying is that everywhere he's been, he's made a difference. And um, if I can help him be a part of that, you know, I want to. And, and you can talk with him, you have a conversation with him, and you want to run through a wall for him. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity. That was Joe Brady, the 30-year-old offensive coordinator, introduced officially today. With the Carolina Panthers, he was speaking, of course, about a guy he knows well, Matt Rule, formerly of Baylor, now the head coach of your Carolina Panthers. A whole lot of new faces, folks. You know on the coaching staff, Matt Rule, Joe Brady now, the wonderkind, youngest coordinator in the NFL, I believe, as we speak. Baylor's Phil Snow is expected to be announced as the defensive coordinator. Some other dominoes yet to fall on that full staff for Matt Rule. By the way, when we come to your calls, last call, four phone calls. Kevin has college hoops on his mind. Steve has the NFL on his mind. Paul has baseball on his mind. Last call for phone calls on Free For All Friday, 1-800-849-2761. Think of it this way. Relatively new owner, brand new head coach, brand new coordinators. No more Luke Keekley because of his retirement this week. Possibly no more Greg Olson. Some think he's about to announce his retirement. Do you know how many free agents the Panthers have? Listen to this list. James Bradbury, starting corner. Ross Cockrell, formerly of Duke, part-time starter at cornerback. Gerald McCoy, impact player on the defensive line. Vernon Butler and Kyle Love also on the DL. 
at D-end or outside linebacker, whichever you prefer. Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, Wes Horton, all free agents. On the offensive line, part-time starters Daryl Williams and Greg Van Roten. And more, of course, the uncertainty around Cam Newton is the most famous of all. Building blocks. Can you get past five fingers? Like right now, not knowing where Cam's going, knowing that Luke is retiring, I would say Christian McCaffrey, although they have to work out a new deal with him and his agent. He's, he is under contract for another year, but we've seen some headaches from running backs in similar situations elsewhere, even though the contract has not yet run its course. I'll say Trey Turner on the offensive line. I'll say K.K. Short when he's healthy on the defensive line. I think Brian Burns was a really good-looking rookie for the Panthers. I'll say Shaq Thompson because they just signed him to a long-term deal at linebacker. So the linebacker cupboard obviously is not bare even with Luke retiring. Who's the next best player that you know is back? Maybe an Eric Reed at safety. Maybe one of the young wide receivers like DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel. Man, there are way more questions than answers for the Panthers right now as the Saints have been good and may remain so. We'll see what Drew Brees' future looks like. The Falcons looked dead and then rallied a little bit, didn't look as miserable, and they still have Matt Ryan, etc. The Buccaneers have Bruce Arians now, so they're not going to be terrible forever. The Panthers' outlook is tricky to be nice, and Matt Rule did at Temple and Baylor truly amazing things. It remains to be seen if he can translate that in a tricky neighborhood in the NFC South. 1-800-849-2761. Paul is in Durham and next on the David Glenn Show. Hi, David. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, great show. And I know you're on a roll talking about uh, basketball and football, but I've been, I'm a big baseball fan. I've been following this sign-stealing scandal this yes, week. Yes, And I think it's really interesting. You know, the managers have all been fired, but there's no talk about, you know, punishment or suspensions for the players who were involved. Now, full disclosure, I'm a big New York Yankees fan from New York, and I just remember that that championship run in 2017. Isn't it funny that the Astros won every game at home? Correct. And, like, even CeCe Sabathia said, like, how did Altuve know this, uh, you know, my uh, off-speed pitch was coming? I oh, mean, yeah. CeCe said, you know, said this week, uh, I feel cheated. He used yeah, the, yeah I feel all, cheated. It's all bogus, you know, if you think about it. And, you know, there's no talk from the commission about, you know, why not, why not investigate the players? Do you think that all of these Astros stole signs, or is it just some of them? Yeah, you appara know? Apparently some, some of them. these home runs happened at yeah. these bizarre times. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the Astros were good home and away. Uh, the Astros, of course, were only using this sign-stealing scheme, which required some, you know, short circuit TVs in the hallway and banging on garbage pans. And, you know, there was some, there, there was multi-level communication involved and technology. You can't duplicate that on the road. So hence the home field advantage. It was clearly a great baseball team. Uh, they do not have, I don't think enough evidence to pin it on more players. In other words, whoever the assistant coaches were who were involved here, they're either not talking specifics or it's unclear, you know, who some batters did not even want the extra sign stealing help. They did not want to know what pitch was coming. And I have met baseball players who feel that way. So I think there's some, enough uncertainty there that they decided to suspend the GM and the manager, uh, in basically because they were on watch 
and they even claimed they didn't personally know about the level of sign st stealing going on, but they ended up first suspended and then losing their jobs. I'm with you on the concept of cheating. I mean, if you listen to the show regularly, I'm a believer that in any aspect of life, if you don't punish people who violate rules on purpose, not accidentally, this is fully intelligently and fully in, in, uh, intentionally and fully understanding and knowing the rules. There's no gray area here. If you don't sledgehammer those people, you might as well not have any rules. So I'm happy to see heads roll. I think there's enough gray area among players that that's why they have left that almost entirely untouched. Although Carlos Beltran did just get axed as the head coach or the uh, manager of the New York Mets. The more heads roll, the better. This is one of the most disgraceful scandals in baseball history. And I think Rob Manfred needs to continue to treat it as such. Jimmy Buffett will take us into the weekend next on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. This is Jimmy Buffett's lovely cruise taking us into the weekend as we come down the stretch. And down the stretch they come! You know where I'm headed right now, seriously? To get my hair cut at Sport Clips. Really? You know what I'm doing after that? I'm taking our good friend Emily Parks and a couple of her friends to my front row on the glass seats at PNC Arena for the Canes hockey game, raising money for the Lung Cancer Initiative of North Carolina. We love when we could put our on-the-glass seats to use for charitable purposes. Enjoy the games, NFL-style, on Sunday. Enjoy the hockey tonight and Sunday. Great college basketball, too. We'll be talking about it on Monday. Hope you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.